Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Hey, I, I want to start off uh, by just saying thank you uh, to you guys. I, I've uh, Pastor Joel uh, kind of informed you guys of the health journey I've been on for uh, the last few months, and you guys have been uh, amazing uh, with cards and text messages and phone calls and hugs. And um, can I tell you some of some of the stuff that has been shared with me over the last couple of weeks? Um, just really have been some of the same emotions that I felt on my journey. And so uh, some of that's been good to confirm that I'm not crazy. Um, And uh, it's always good to get a confirmation that you're not crazy every now and then. Um, I want to kind of give you a little bit of detail um, uh, about what's going on. Um, So kind of the end of January, I had some pain in my back. And um, it felt like kidney stones, felt pretty sure it was kidney stones. Um, My doctor is off on Fridays, and so I went to the walk-in clinic right there in front of Kmart. And um, he said, yeah, I think you got kidney stones, but I want to do a CT scan. And so um, he ordered a CT scan. I had that done Monday morning, first thing. He called me Tuesday morning, and he said, hey, Jeremy, I I don't know how to tell you this, but you've got some spots in your colon, and um, you've got some nodules all throughout your lungs, and you got some kidney stones. And uh, so um, I've never thanked God for kidney stones, but I was thankful for those kidney stones. I immediately went to my regular doctor and sat down with him, and um, he looked at the scans, and he said, um, he said, Jeremy, this looks like you've got stage four colon cancer that's moving into your lungs. And he said, it could be something different. Um, but if I'm a betting man, this is, this is what's going on. And so um, <clears throat> he said, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. Um, it's not good if that's what it is. And so um, I, I went home and um, I, I, I looked at my doctor and I said, hey, um, I, I, don't, I don't care what you have to do. I want appointments this week. I want to know what's going on this week. And he got me appointments. And um, I had an appointment with an oncologist on Thursday. But between Tuesday and Thursday, we had some moments at my house. Um, Beth and I had some sweet talks. And um, that first night laying in bed, Beth looked at me and she said, uh, she said Honey, what are we going to do? And... Um, I may get emotional, uh, and uh, just forgive me for that, but um, I, 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 I looked at her and I said, I'm going to mow my grass, and I'm going to tell people about Jesus till I can't, because that's what I was going to do before I got the news. And um, we've had some moments with the kids, and, and I heard Beth tell uh, one of the kids who said, Mom, why, why Dad? Because... All of my kids have ever known me to do is to, to tell people about Jesus and ministry, and that's all they've ever known. And they were like, why, Dad? And I watched my wife say, why not, Dad? At first, I was like, 
But why not, Dad? Dad knows the Lord. Um, people know Dad knows the Lord. If God can get glory through this, why not, Dad? And, and can I tell you this? Um, dude, I have had opportunities. One gentleman in particular who's been on a very similar journey to mine. Um, I've had an opportunity to, to have faith conversations with him. Um, Nathan kind of opened the door on that that I would have never otherwise had. He told me the other day on the phone, Jeremy, from now on, you're my shoulder to cry on. I want to be that for him. Um, yesterday, I took a Starbucks gift card. I copy and pasted an a, um, a activity from Johnny Hunt's playbook, and I took a, a Starbucks gift card to um, uh, Alex Ronan, nurse practitioner, who said, hey, we need a CT scan. You've got kidney stones, but you need a CT scan. Took him a Starbucks gift card and he wouldn't take it. He said, he's a Jeremy, it's against company policy. And I said, this card isn't for you to buy you coffee. This card has my card in it, and it's for you to call me when Starbucks opens their dining room and for you to buy me coffee. Because I want to talk to you because you quite possibly ordered a scan that may have saved my life. And I want to talk to you about that. And so um, God's using it. But, but can I tell you this? The, the cancer I have, it's called chronic lymphocytic leukemia. It's a, it's a very treatable cancer. In fact, um, most people who have the type of cancer I have um, live a long life and never have to have a treatment. Um, we, we still have some tests that we're undergoing. The, the oncologist thinks that I may also have uh, sarcoidosis. And um, so we're, we're looking at those things, and, and maybe you're thinking, Jeremy, you're falling apart, and you're not even 50. And my answer to that is, uh, you try raising six elums. <laughs> See what you look like at 49. But uh, um, it, it, it truly has, it truly has uh, been a, a trip. But you, you guys have been a blessing to me, and, and I, hope, I hope you know this. Um, you guys are praying for me and you're an encouragement f for me. I, I'm, I pray for you when you go through trials and struggles. And um, that prayer request option on the Connect card, utilize that. If for no other reason to remind yourself that when you write a prayer request on one of those cards, we're praying for you. And um, it's so, so important. The guys uh, that I work with have been incredible. Um, they, they've been such an encouragement, and I, I really have leaned on them. And um, we, we, um, I've had 17 doctor's appointments since February 2nd, or procedures. And so w we decided because of the number of days Beth gets that we were, we were just going to, um, she was going to go with me to the appointments where we thought we would get news. Good news or bad news, she'd go to those appointments. Otherwise, I'd take myself um, but there were some where I needed a driver, you know, like um, biopsy or um, colonoscopy. And uh, you find out who your tr true, trend, true friends are when you say, hey, can you take me to a colonoscopy? And they don't say no. Um, because sometimes that ride home can be awkward. <laughs> and um, and uh, I, I told them, I said, uh, all of them have offered to help in that way. But, uh, but I said this, uh, hey, um, I, I'm going to be under some medication. And so um, <clears throat> I don't know what I'm going to say. And so um, 
If I say something ugly, I need it to stay in the car, right? And um, <clears throat> I may or may not have been showing pictures of the inside of my colon on one trip uh, back home, but um, it, 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 has, it, it has been amazing. Um, it, it's, uh, it's awesome. We are in a good place. We are, we are trusting the advice of our oncologist, and um, we're in a good place, right, honey? And so uh, thank you um, for everything you've done. I've got some things here I want to show you. This... This folder right here um, has got paperwork from every doctor's appointment that I've had. It's got diagnoses in here. There are receipts, a um, bunch of receipts in here. And um, there are pictures of the inside of my colon in here. And um, all, of the, all of these things are reminders of, of the journey I've been on. And I hang on to this because um, God, has, God has taught me some things through this. And I want to remember those moments, right? I want to remember how I felt when I left doctor's appointments where I got bad news. I, I, want to, um, I want to remember the thankfulness that I felt in my heart when I got good news. And so um, I hang on to this, and it, it's special to me. This right here is a rock. And um, this rock comes from the rubble that was Kay and Donnie Wise's home um, after the tornadoes of 2011 swept through Ringgold. And their home was destroyed. And this rock is, uh, I asked Brandy to bring this to me. Um, and it, it's just a reminder, it sits on a shelf in my office. And um, it is a reminder to me, and when bad weather comes through, I, I think of this rock sometimes, not all the time, and I say a prayer for Kay and Donnie. This piece of metal here, I didn't grow up around guns or shooting, but this piece of metal here is the target from the very first time that I shot the very first pistol I ever bought. And so I have it on display in my office, and it's, it's sentimental to me. And um, it's probably weird to you, but it's sentimental to me. This is a newspaper. It's dated December 25th, 1995. Um, that's the day I became a dad. And um, I bought, uh, bought a newspaper uh, when the kids were born, just to remind me uh, how cheap cars were uh, when that happened and what the weather was like. Um, but that is, that's special to me. And all of these things are special to me. They're special, uh, they're just things without the significance of what happened behind those things and the events that surround those things. Those are just things. But they're special to me because of what they represent. And you have your things. If I were to give you my things, they don't mean anything to you. Um, but you've got your things and the things that you have that remind you of things that have taken place in your life, they're special to you. And I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about altars. And these things are not altars, but they kind of remind me of altars. And when we think about altars, we probably should understand, uh, biblically speaking, what an altar was. In, uh, in the Hebrew language, altar means um, to, uh, to, to slaughter. In Greek, the word altar means to sacrifice. And so it was a significant place of worship throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, specifically, the altar was in the temple. And so they would make sacrifices in the temple, sacrifices for the atonement of sin. The sacrifices that they would make for atonement for sin, and there were ritualistic things that happened uh, at the altar, uh, ceremonial cleansings and that type of thing, but... Um, the, the sacrifices that were made for atonement at the altar in the temple 
were representative of the sacrifice that Christ would one day make on the cross. And so when you look at the Old Testament saint, the Old Testament saint is looking forward to the cross as an event that will take place in the future that will do away with sacrifice in the temple. It is the ultimate sacrifice as payment for the penalty of sin. The New Testament believer looks back on the cross as an event that happened in history, an event that they know happened at a place in time that was Jesus' ultimate sacrifice as payment for the penalty of sin. And so when you think about the altar, the altar is a place of spiritual significance. The altar is important in the life of the believer. Before we dive in this morning and and get too far, I, I want you to take just a moment and I want you to think about a time in your life when you were closer to God than you've ever been. A time when you felt the presence of God in your life like no other time. Think about that moment and maybe it was a high school retreat, or maybe it was a sermon you heard that revolution, re- revolutionized your life and, and brought you close to God. Whatever that timing is, I want you to think about that time when you were, close, you were closest to God. When we talk about um, Old Testament saints looking uh, forward to the cross and New Testament believers looking back on the cross, there's a passage of Scripture that says it best. It's Hebrews Uh, Chapter 11, verse 13, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen it afar off, they embraced it and were persuaded of it, and they confessed that they were pilgrims and strangers on the earth. Before that passage of Scripture, um, the writer of Hebrews is talking about all the Old Testament saints, Abraham and Moses, and all the heroes of the Old Testament. And it says, they looked forward to that promise. It didn't happen in their lifetime, but they knew it was coming. Throughout the, uh, throughout the Bible, there are altars that are mentioned. Um, there are guys like Moses and Abraham and Joshua and David and Saul who built altars. Noah built an altar um, after his family got off the ark to worship God for rescue in his family. Moses um, built an altar to signify the covenant that was made between God and Israel. Joshua built an altar in Joshua chapter 4 that was commemorating. It was a memorial to the children of Israel crossing over to the Jordan. Every single one of the altars that were built in the Bible were a place of significance. Some of them were very personal. Some of them uh, were, were important to an entire nation, but every single one of them were significant. They were a place of sacrifice. They were a place of atonement. They were a place of uh, memorial, remembrance. They were places that signified a covenant between God and man. All of them were important. I want to talk about one specific altar in the Bible. They say I've got 10 minutes up here. I'm hurrying just as fast as I can. But the altar that I want to talk to you about this morning is found in the book of Genesis. And it is the altar that Jacob built um, at Bethel. It's interesting to me that there are 50 chapters in the book of Genesis. Ten of them are dedicated to the life of of, of Jacob. And there are whole books in the Bible written about uh, an individual's life. But Moses, who was God's chosen man to lead the children of Israel, 
Um, he spent one-fifth of the very first book of the Bible writing about this guy, Jacob, and it wasn't all good. In fact, a lot of it was bad, and there, there were bad times in the life of Jacob. To put that in perspective for you, um, creation and the fall of man takes three chapters. And so um, it's a significant portion of the book of Genesis talking about Jacob. You remember the story of Jacob? He's the son of Isaac and Rebekah. And um, Isaac and Rebekah had prayed for a son, and God gave them twins, Jacob and Esau. Esau was born first. Jacob was born second. The Bible tells us that um, Rebekah felt fighting in her tummy uh, while she was pregnant, and she prayed to God and asked, why is this fighting? And she said, because they're fighting in there, because they're going to come out fighting, and that was exactly the case. Um, the Bible says that Jacob grabbed the heel of Esau on the way out. The boys grew up. Esau was hairy and manly, um, and uh, Jacob was soft and a little bit of a mama's boy, and um, so that's kind of how their life started. Um, you remember as they grew up, um, uh, Esau came in, he was super hungry, and Jacob tricked him out of his birthright. And that's just kind of how they lived. And then towards the end of Abraham's life, I think he was about 130 years old. Um, I don't ever want to be that old, but he was 130 years old. And um, it was time for him to give the blessing on his son. And he fully intended to give it to, to Esau. But Jacob came and Jacob, um, he, he put on the, the fur and he put on Esau's clothes so he'd smell like Esau. And he tricked Isaac into giving the blessing. And uh, you know what happened? Esau was mad. He was ready to kill Jacob. And mama came to Jacob and she said, hey, let me pack you a suitcase and I need you to head out. And so he headed out and he came to this place um, just as the sun started to go down called Luz. And I want to read to you um, part of the story in Genesis chapter 28. Hang on a minute. Right here. All right. Jacob left Beersheba, went towards Haran. He reached a certain place. I'm sorry. Did I tell you this? We're in Genesis 28, verse 10. Genesis 28, verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. He reached a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. He took one of the stones from the place and put it there at his head and laid down in that place. And he dreamed. A stairway was set on the ground with its top reaching the sky. And God's angels were going up and down on it. The Lord was standing there beside him saying, I'm the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your offspring the land on which you are lying. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out towards the east, the west, the north and the south. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and through your offspring. Look, I'm with you. I'll watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I've done what I promised to you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. See, Jacob experienced the presence of God in that place. Surely God is in this place. So in the morning, 
Jacob uh, took the stone that was near his head and set it up as a marker. He poured oil on top of it and named the place Bethel, though previously the city was named Luz. When Jacob made a vow, if God will be with me and watch over me during this journey I'm making, if he provides me with food and with clothing to wear, and if I return safely to my father's family, then the Lord will be my God. This stone that I've set up as a marker will be God's house, and I will give, uh, I will give to you a tenth of all that you give me. So in this passage of Scripture, we've got Jacob... Um, who, who's running away, he's escaping Esau, and he comes to this place and he builds an altar. And he made that altar, um, he had an, a spiritual experience with God, and he built an altar. He had an encounter with God, and he built the altar. You see what I'm saying? And so when we have those encounters with God, those times in our life where God feels close to us, um, it's a significant time in our life, and we need to remember those times, and we need to look back on those times, and our looking back on those times need to draw us back to that place and that moment in time when we feel that spiritual intimacy with God. Jacob went on. You would think he had an encounter with God. Everything's great. Life is good. Um, he's on his way. Um, he's going. His dad told him to go to his uncle's house and marry his cousin. Now I'm from Alabama, and I know better than that. That's what Daddy told him to do. Although, in first grade, there was my cousin Daphne, who was awfully cute, and I was disappointed that I couldn't marry her. And then Beth came along, and I'm, I'm way thankful, honey. Uh, things could have been weird. Um, but, but anyway... Uh, he, he, he goes uh, to his uncle's house, and he, he's there with his uncle, and um, he finds... This woman named Rachel is, is Laban, his uncle's daughter. Well, he had two daughters. The Bible says there was Rachel, and she was beautiful, and then there was Leah, and she was tender-eyed. Now, I don't know what that means, and I read some commentaries to try to figure out what tender-eyed meant. And what, what I know is it's the opposite of beautiful, and it ain't good. In Alabama growing up, we would have said she fell out of the ugly tree and didn't miss a branch. But uh, Leah was tender-eyed, and, and uh, they, he negotiated, and he, he's going to get Rachel, he's going to marry Rachel, and Laban tricked him. Um, and he, he got Leah, and um, he married Leah, and then he worked seven more years, and he got Rachel. Man, it was just a mess. His life was a mess. He ends up at Shechem. Some crazy things happen to his daughter Dinah there at Shechem. His brothers get mad. They kill a bunch of people. And Jacob, where he finally feels like I'm going to settle down, is still chaos. And then God came to Jacob. I want to read you uh, that this morning. Uh, God came to Jacob, and it's in Genesis chapter 35. <clears throat> I should probably leave these out. Genesis 35, verse 1, it says, God said to Jacob, Get up, go to Bethel, and settle there. Build an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his family and all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your clothes. We must get up and go to Bethel. I will build an altar there to the God who answered me in my day of distress. 
He has been with me everywhere I've gone. Then, Jacob gave, then they gave Jacob all their foreign gods, their earrings, and Jacob hid them under the oak tree near Shechem. When they set out, a terror from God came and overtook the cities around them, and they did not pursue Jacob's <clears throat> sons. So Jacob and all who were with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan. Jacob built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, which means God of Bethel, because it was there God had revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. So Jacob has that amazing encounter um, at, at, at Bethel. Some crazy thing happened. Life happens. He has this experience with God and life happens. And um, he finds himself in a place where he doesn't necessarily want to be. And God says, get up and go back. Here's the interesting thing that happened in the life of Jacob, though. God said, get up and go to Bethel. God didn't say anything else. But Jacob knew if he was going to go back to Bethel, some things had to happen in his home and in his family. Jacob had been, had been living his life, and nothing that happened in the life of Jacob was outside the cultural norms of the day. But they were outside the boundaries of God's plan for Jacob's life. And while we haven't lived a life just like Jacob, I think our cycle of life is so similar. I think we have these encounters with God that change our life and we feel close to God and, and we feel His presence in our life and we have sweet times with God and then life happens and we grow distant, we grow further away, we get farther away from that decision, that time, that moment, that intimate spiritual time with God. And the further we get away from that, the more like the world we become. The truth of Scripture that led you to Jesus at the foot of the cross is the truth that should guide your life each and every day. And we live in a society that is jacked up. It's messed up. And so many times we find ourselves excusing our sin. It's okay. It's not going to hurt anybody. Here's what I need you to know this morning. If you have a hard time figuring out if something you're doing is sin or not, ask yourself, would I do this thing if Jesus was sitting right beside me? Because if you wouldn't do it with Jesus sitting right beside you, why on earth would you do it with His Holy Spirit living inside of you? God told Jacob, get up, go to Bethel, and build an altar. That's all He said. Jacob knew what had to be done. There are three things that have to happen in our life if we're going to go back to Bethel. Number one, Jacob told his family, get rid of your idols. Get rid of the false gods. And I doubt any of us have false gods in our homes. Nobody's worshiping Buddha uh, in your living room. I doubt that. But all of us have things in our life that have taken a more important role in our life 
than God. And maybe it's a schedule. Maybe it's money. I'll be honest with you. I don't want to give you some examples. I want you to decide for yourself what has taken the place of God in your life. What has become more important than God in your life? And Jacob said, get rid of your idols. Make God number one. Number two, Jacob said, wash yourself. Is that what I said? Purify yourself. Number two. Is that what y'all want? Y'all, y'all show me what's next. Y'all so good. But, uh, but, but he said, purify yourselves. Literally, take a bath. And in the Old Testament believer's life, there were all kinds of things um, that, that, were, that, were, that happened as a part of purification. There were some things that related diseases. But all of the acts of purification, all of the sacrifices for purification, all of them started with a bath. Wash yourselves. For us, that means we rid our lives of any and all unconfessed sin. What happens in our life so often is I think that we let little bitty things go, things that maybe seem a little bit insignificant. We let those things go and those things turn into bigger things and pretty soon the snowball effect kicks in or our lives are a little bit like Jacob's life was on the cycle. They're a little bit out of control. We've got to confess sin. It's not difficult. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That verse is for the believer. Purify yourselves. And number three, change your clothes. It makes sense, doesn't it? You've made God number one in your life. You've taken a bath. It makes absolutely no sense to put the same old dirty clothes that were on your filthy body back on. Jacob knew something. Jacob knew they were going to Bethel. Jacob knew that Bethel was a special place. They needed to change their clothes. For us as believers today, that means changing our habits. That means when we make God number one and we get rid of unconfessed sin in our life, we don't go back to our old ways. We get new habits that draw us closer to God. We're dieting around here. Some people are doing keto. Some people are doing Weight Watchers. I've seen some people on a crumble cookie diet. Some people are fasting. Uh, But we're, we're all on a diet. Nathan, however... I don't know if you know this about Nathan, but he, he has a problem with compliance. He does not like to comply. And so um, he, he, he's not on a diet because for Nathan, if you're on a diet, you've got to count carbs or, or count points. And being on a diet is complying to a man-made list of regulations. Somebody else came up with it, and they're trying to impose it on him. But Nathan's losing weight. If you ask Nathan how he's losing weight... Um, Nathan, is, Nathan will tell you because he's making healthier choices. So what that means is Nathan is changing his eating habits and it's making a difference in his health. If we are going to go back to Bethel, we've got to change our habits. We've got to do some things differently. Jacob was excited. 
He said, man, we're going back to Bethel. I can't tell you how amazing this place is. I mean, this is the best place on earth. It's so awesome. I can't tell you the encounter I had with God. We're going back to Bethel. Come on, Rachel. You too, tenderize. Get the herds. Get the flocks. Y'all pack up the tent. We're going back to Bethel. You need to... You need to um, you need to get rid of your idols and make God number one. You need to purify yourselves. You need to change your habits. we got to do those things because Bethel is special. And we're going back there. And I remember what God did in my life at Bethel. And, and I've got to go back to Bethel. Come on. We're going. He remembered that time in his life of spiritual significance. You remember the beginning of our time together? I asked you to, to think of that time when you were closer to God than you've ever been in your life. We need to go back to that place. This folder right here, it's got my stuff in it. This ain't my Bethel. But my Bethel got me ready to deal with this, how Jesus wanted me to deal with it. Recently, I've been back to Bethel. We decided the end of last year as a staff that we were going to begin praying for revival. And more than anything in my life, I wanted a move of God. And I began to pray, God, would you send revival? And God began to reveal some things in my life that needed to change. And over the last months, I've been on a journey back to Bethel. God wants spiritual intimacy with us. And if we're going to experience that intimacy, we need to spiritually and symbolically, we need to go back to that Bethel in our lives. If you're here this morning and maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, man, that's, that's a Bethel. That, that's a time in your life when you understand that we're sinners. We've broken God's law. We are sinners and we need a Savior. We realize and understand that Jesus is that Savior that we need. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again on the third day, conquering sin, death, and hell so that we can have a relationship with Him. Romans 10.13 says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We confess that to Him. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to begin that relationship with Jesus. If you're watching online, Corbin's uh, got a word for you. Uh, so hang on. What an excellent message this morning from Pastor Jeremy on the importance of remembering what God has done in our lives. You know, this morning we've talked a whole lot about altars and the significance of altars in our lives. And you know, maybe this morning as a believer, uh, you are finding yourself in a place of complacency. Maybe it's been a long time since you've made a decision for Christ. Maybe it's been a long time since you've put your faith and trust in Him. And maybe you've a little bit forgotten what that feeling feels like. 
then maybe today, and wherever you're watching today, you probably don't have a physical altar in front of you. Any of our campuses, you'll find a physical altar, which is just a place of decision. It's a place of surrender. And maybe today, wherever you're watching from, you need to find yourself at a place of understanding that God has so much more for you. Maybe you need to go back to that feeling that you had and find yourself at the altar. Hey, maybe the, the, the problem for you this morning is you've never uh, been to the altar of Jesus. Maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Him. And today, that's where your relationship with Him starts. And so if you've never given your heart to Jesus this morning, we want to make sure we give you that opportunity. And it's as simple as A, B, and C. A, you have to admit that you're a sinner and you can't save yourself. B, you've got to believe that Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose again on the third day, victorious over death and the grave. And C, you've got to confess your sins to Him and commit your life to Him. If that's you this morning, in the stillness of this moment, just bow your head and pray this prayer after me. It's not the words you say, but it's the intent of your heart this morning. Just pray this prayer. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And God, I know that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Lord, I ask that you would come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and save me. I trust in you and you alone. If you prayed that prayer this morning, then your life has forever changed. And we are so excited about that decision you made this morning. We're going to drop a link in the chat box right now. And if you gave your heart to Christ, we want you to click on that link that said, I pray to receive Christ this morning. And we just want to send you some resources and information on your next steps in the Christian walk. Church, we are so glad that you joined us at Pivon Online this morning. What an excellent time of worship and getting into God's Word it's been this morning. And uh, we hope you will join us again next week, and we'll see you soon. Take care. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening. <music>